Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter Atencio, the director of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. And we are also Westward's choice for one of the top 10 nerdtastic podcasts in Denver. I'm Ryan. With me is Zach and Brad. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. And this week we saw Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. So stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll tell you if you'd see the film or not, and then uh, we'll play the trailer, and then we'll spoil the movie. And uh, we'll also talk about movies we've been seeing, movie news, and movies that are coming out on Mm -hmm. Blu-ray. Before we get started, so Brad and I are on this quest to do office trivia. And so we went to one at uh, Ryan House. uh, (laughs) They had sausages and sauerkraut. Yeah. Please, please come to Ryan House. We have lots of sausages, and don't worry. We don't have showers. Um, I really like that German voice. That sounded nice. Well, you know, um, I'm really good at um, uh, doing caricatures and Mm -hmm. um, you're not being PC at all. Well, as a police officer, Ryan's getting the line of fascism. So, yes. (laughs) So actually, it was funny. I went to a, no, no, this isn't funny. I went to a call today and the dude there had a huge swastika like on his chest. I said, Uh, really? I can't believe that stuff is real. You know what I mean? Is that a good target for your gun? It'd be a great target. It's right on his left (laughs) chest, you know? Mm. Uh, Actually, I have a really funny, it's kind of, the way I'm going to say it, it's going to sound kind of a racist voice, but I, every morning I help children cross at the crosswalk at school. And, uh, was it last week? It was really windy and cold. I forget what day it was. And I hate wearing jackets. It's just not my thing. And so I was sitting there and I had a short sleeve on and this, this little Asian boy and his mom uh, was walking by and he looks at me, he goes, Hey, officer Frost, what the fuck? Where's your freaking jacket? <laughs> he said, where's your freaking jacket? <laughs> It was really funny. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, I don't know. Little boy, I won't say his name on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, you say, it's so cold outside. But it, it reminded me of Short Round and Temple of Doom so much. I was going to say, just to be clear, Ryan's using the impersonation of a Short Round, yeah. popular character from a popular movie, to uh Yeah, it, just, it was just funny because there's this killing. little Asian boy and he told me, where's my freaking jacket? Yeah. Yeah. And he's probably right. And I told him he sounded like my wife. Yeah, you should stay. You should stay warm. It's getting winter, man. It's you should tell him your name out. is Doctor Jones. Oh, that'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so Brad and I went to this uh, trivia at Reinhaus, and um, it was a little disorganized. Um, as these uh, like realtors putting it together. Yeah, it was our first trivia quiz, I guess. Um, and I was actually surprised. So Brad and I got eight out of thirty-eight teams. So we did pretty good. And we were a team of two people. And- yeah, and they said there'd only be teams of four, but there's tables with like nine people. Yeah. I thought, what the hell is this shit? So either they were like and I don't two think different were, teams together or they were Yeah, and up. I don't think they were checking for people using their phones because some of those questions, I mean, they were good questions. I'm, actually, the trivia was pretty good. 
But I mean, how would you even know? I mean, unless you've watched episodes and you knew, um, you know, celery, you know, where because they had a lot of Dwight. people who can't farm farm celery. Yeah, they had a lot of Dwight. Like finishes uh, quote. Things. Yeah, finishes quotes. Like I can't believe you remembered the neck. That was an impressive one. Or the barrio. Yeah, or the barrio. <laughs> you know, and so and it was fun trivia, but is yeah. thing is rigged, and uh, they didn't have people watching people using the phones, and she didn't even announce it till I don't know the fourth out of fifth round. She says, "Oh yeah, don't use your phone," mm-hmm. but it was fun. Yeah, it was only like five rounds. Yeah, eight questions each. Yeah. So, but yeah, we got most of them. Yeah, we did. I think selling. we, I think we still only missed like uh, seven or eight of them. Yeah, so, is that bonus round that was really hard? Yeah, the bonus round was hard. You probably already said this, but I, just to reclarify, what, what place did you get? Eighth. Eighth. Okay. Right yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Like I said, just two of us. Yeah, eighth out of thirty-eight. I thought it was actually pretty good. <clears throat> That's better than most. Like because you know the problem is is when you both don't know the answer, you can't bounce it off each other. Yeah. Um. You know when we had named Stanley's mistresses, <laughs> I couldn't remember any of them. Cynthia and Lydia. Yeah. Now I know. Yep. Um, what are Kelly Kapoor's four different brands? <laughs> yeah, things like that. If you had one more person that uh, could remember, yeah, that stuff. But yeah, I've been having. I mean, I've been rewatching The Office too. <laughs> Before I came here, I was watching the one where um, they haze Holly for Kevin being mentally challenged, <laughs> and she goes, "It's been a big day for you." Yeah, it has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally gonna do Holly. She's nice. <laughs> she seems into me. <laughs> All right, so you have twenty five fifty. That's a button. <laughs> you can get anything on the top row. And I just love because you know it starts off where Jim's the one who looks at the camera, but as the seasons go along, other people start breaking the fourth wall. And mm-hmm. I think that's why that show. I mean, it's really cleverly written and really well directed. But I think why everyone really is starting to really appreciate the show is when they break the fourth wall. When Jim does it, it really brings you into the episode mm-hmm. uh you know i think it kind of falters in the later seasons when they start introducing the documentary people and the one that has like a crush on pam or whatever mm-hmm. i mean come on the sound guy yeah yeah mm. no one cares uh if you've been listening to the office ladies podcast uh that season greg daniels asked um jim and pam to like come up with their own storyline for the season mm-hmm. and so that must have been what they interesting thought of uh, but can I spoil um, our theme for Pop Culture Con? Uh, sure. Because I think it's really cool. So sorry, you just made me think of like oh, like the other team names you want to do for. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brad <laughs> Michael and I Scott's written for the Cure. Yeah. So oh, Michael Scott's Meredith Palmer's Cure. I don't Pro Am Run for the Cure. It's, so <laughs> it's really the Quizmaster yeah. have to read it constantly. Yeah. I was thinking that or um, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. I like yeah. that one, but like. There were so many. We were like the fourth. Yeah, Scott's Tots. Scott's Tots. But we were like, the best Scott's Tots by a landslide. There were like three Scrantonicities because yeah. Scrantonicity was one of our other ones. Yeah. yeah, I'm start. I'm trying to pay attention to see if I can find a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I need we'll to rewatch The Office. You should. <laughs> no, I mean it's on Netflix. There's no excuses for me. Yeah, so. the cool yeah. the cool kids watch The Office. I know. <laughs> rewatch The Office, then come help us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, so. Uh, 2020 at Pop Culture Con. If you've been uh, following our show, we have a theme. The last uh, pretty much every year, actually, we do have a theme. And yeah. uh, so, a lot of people might not know this, but the 30th anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, the movie is uh, next year. So of course, and so uh, we're trying to get a little head start on it. So we're not. Well, Brad designs everything, so Brad's not you know stuck. Yeah, doing all this stuff uh, at the last minute, and so we came up with. 
designing as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we were thinking about we forgot that Casey Jones is in the movie, mm. so we can have the four turtles: Casey Jones and April O'Neil mm. and Shredder. And Shredder. Do we and have Splinter? Some? Yeah. Do we have a nemesis like that? No. Well, I guess I should I should be Casey Jones because that's I wore I mean. the costume. That's what, was, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Right. I mean, it ties into it. Um, we're trying to think of what the lamest turtle is for you. That's a tough <laughs> one to figure out. Oh, um, People, Mike, maybe Mikey. No, Mikey's the coolest. He should just be Danny. Yeah, he should <laughs> be Splinter. But, oh, but, I would but love pre mutation. <laughs> it's just I just draw a rat. <laughs> just draw a rat. <laughs> it's just me in a robe. <laughs> we were gonna do a big joke and make you like a mouser or something, but that's not in the movie. <laughs> That'd be totally funny. Just put like big old spectacles on me. Wow, I can't talk. Um. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit of turtles later in what we've been watching. So, cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's a cool design and like yeah. nice, very simplistic, very. Well, know, I think the focus is going to be the pint glass because I think yeah. the t-shirts we're only going to do as a pre-order. Yeah, that's fine. And then only have as many as people order, so we don't have like a ton of. Because our glasses went. Big. Our glasses sold well. The shirts, I have a bucket of shirts from last year, so right. maybe stop doing that. Yeah. Mm. Or we just throw them, give them away for free. Only if you invest in a t-shirt cannon. That'd be Ooh. fun. Done. Dude, we'd attract <laughs> even more attention than we did before. <laughs> I did not see anything in the rules about having potato guns. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. It says no weapons. But you, but... You, you will see us there. This this year it's July 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Yep. Um, we'll yeah. be celebrating America's independence by blowing a big hole into it. <laughs> That's an old Simpsons joke. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's some Simpsons news today. Too so. Dental plan. Lisa mm-hmm. needs braces. Dental plan. <laughs> I've been watching some of The Simpsons because it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Oh god. My but, favorite episode of The Simpsons is Cape Fear, where Sideshow Bob comes back and they make fun of Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, die Bart die. No, it's French for the Bart. Uh, German for <laughs> the Bart D because the follow up joke is even yeah. more funny when they say, "Well, anybody who speaks German obviously can't be a bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, when they're doing that uh, montage of like De Niro in Cape Fear, where he's like preparing and like psyching himself up, and it has like love, hate, and then he just starts showing him doing aerobics and one <laughs> and two. <laughs> uh, uh, I, my friend Brandon oh. and I used to always quote um, where uh, Sideshow Bob's writing the letter to Bart, mm-hmm. and he says, "Dear blessed world of," uh, uh, and he passes out and says, "Use a pen, Sideshow Bob." Remember the Simpsons was fucking brilliant. Oh, oh man, because since it's on uh, it's Disney's Plus, I've started watching some of the later seasons. Mm-hmm. How can you watch it? Because it's not standard four three anymore. You just well, spoil the, the news. The later seasons are sixteen nine. So yeah, but they're cropping your original seasons. Though. That's right, they are. Mm. You're missing like it's, a sliver o- of a joke. You know what? <laughs> if only you had an actual copy of no, episodes. If only I had seasons one through nine yeah. on DVD. I mean, and wait, you do, because yeah. we all do. Um, Anyways. Do I like Homer, Homer the Barbershop Quartet a lot. Oh, that's a great episode. Like, were you guys, did you guys like ruin your careers by saying you were bigger than Jesus? Didn't we? It was the name of our fourth album. <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons have a lot of revisionist history. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing that thing on the, on the top of the Barbershop Quartet, and George Harrison comes by and goes, it's been done. <laughs> Yep, Simpsons uh, are great. Yep, for fifteen seasons, they'll never stop. The Simpsons <laughs> have no fears. We got stories for years. There's something comforting about knowing that the Simpsons are always on the air. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't sit down and watch them um, 
religiously, but every once in a while on Sundays, I'll just keep them on yeah, and watch them. It's convenient. It's there. Because it's after football. and It's after- weird. Like, even in the fifth or sixth seasons when I was watching them, like, air in real time, I always felt like the show had already been on for, like, right? 12, 15 years. When you yeah. think about it, it's been, well, it's been on your whole life, but our yeah, life, exactly. basically, when we pay attention to watching TV. mm it's always been on. The way I was introduced to it was like Fox 31 had um, the double block 5 and 530 yep. um, before Jeopardy. So mm-hmm. like come home from school, watch The Simpsons, and then that was it. What else did you do for the rest of the day but quote the episode you just saw? Fucking A. <laughs> That's why I have Simpsons quotes in my head, Ryan. It's also why I didn't learn math. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> cool. Sorry, I was just thinking about the, the pint glass. It should be like the four masks. Like stacked mm. on top of each other. And then the back is just a turtle shell. Mm. Mm. And it says, Pop Culture Con 2020 in the turtle shell. Did you see the Star Wars glasses for the Alamo? Yeah. Like there's like a little medallion at the bottom? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. They, they're, they're pushing them right now. I wonder if they have more that they've become available or something. Mm. Movie news. Wait, fuck movie news. Let's go around town with Brad. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck that too. This weekend at the Esquire, The Lost Boys is the midnight movie, November 22nd and 23rd. Yeah. The, so. the, the ad at the Esquire for it, um, for their recent um, lineup is uh, the I Still Believe song, so that's fun. Yeah. New digital tran- or new digital remaster. Hmm. Okay. So that looks exciting to you, then there you go. Nice. Um, And that, that's it. The drive-in's out, out of season. I'm not doing anything. I guess there's EFP on Thursday, so come check out EFP at the Bug. Yeah, I'm not I'm not screening anything, but uh, sorry. So that is totally off topic. So right now we're investigating something in Idaho Springs, and uh, so the other detective. So I work during the day, and he works at night. So I gave him a bunch of address. Said, "Hey, I, I knocked on these doors, and no one answered." And so he sent me a text message. He said, "I hate you," and I said, "Why?" He said, "Because I went to track down all these addresses, had to talk to a dipshit stoner, an old guy that's like a hundred years old." And a fat guy who looks so nervous, I'm pretty sure he shit his pants. <laughs> so, yep. So I sent him back, Jim Halpert, winking at him. Nice. Yep. Um, and then, I guess, beginning of December, I can advertise the bug is doing the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians as yeah. a stage production. Yeah, and Alex uh, Alex told me about a little joke that he wrote for that uh, particular production um, involving red shirts. So, uh, hmm. and he Star also, Trek joke. And he also told me... <laughs> That if I were to come down there, uh, that I may not have to pay, but I want to pay anyway because I want to support Equinox. So, it's I'm, not an Equinox production. It's not an Equinox production. Fine, I'm going to do it's it a for bug free. Production. Then I'm going to do it for free anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and I filmed some stuff for it. So, okay. oh, nice, cool. nice. Yeah. So there, there's a reason for people to go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Before there wasn't. No. Now there is. Yeah. I nice. mean, if anything, if you go to a stage production, you should go to watch the video content. <laughs> that's that's embedded how- within it. That's how it was in our, uh, what was it, the spring musical for Little Shop of Horrors. I filmed a segment for it. Of course, everybody came out. <laughs> Do you think that if we were still in high school today that Mr. Klug would be doing like video content inside the, the place? He's pretty old school. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. But I mean, like after 20 years, like. Oh, maybe. Maybe Ooh. the school pressure him to be like, you got to get people in the seats here. Change. Who's, I change. Who's Mr. Klug? Klug is our, our Klug. drama teacher. Oh, yeah. okay. He's a nice guy. I always liked him. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. sweet. He always liked me. 
I uh, and hated everybody else. <laughs> I won the lead in the Odd Couple uh, for doing a skit from Saturday Night Live with Travis Valentine. Felix, uh, Oscar. Oh, okay. Felix, be interesting. Yeah, you know, like type not typecast at all. <laughs> anyway, so the guy who I stretching yourself, you know, uh, the guy I did the skit with uh, won Felix. And yeah, we, that guy was definitely Felix. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. And uh, we did uh, this old Folgers commercial from Saturday Night Live where Chris Farley gets served uh, decaffeinated coffee instead of the coffee he ordered, and he uh-huh. just goes batshit crazy. <laughs> and Mr. Klug thought it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was maybe a forty-second audition. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, I kind of want to see you do Oscar on stage. Yeah, you probably be... don't. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. I mean, you don't have. You ever to... go back and watch things like mm, not good? Mm, yeah, mean, yes. I but... mean, when I was done with that play, I remember uh, Mr. Klug told me I was going to rule the school because he thought I was that good in it. But uh, you did, right? I mean, I totally did. <laughs> but uh... no, I was more meaning like nowadays. Like you could probably pull off an Oscar Madison yeah, yeah. performance now. Yeah. You could have Brad play Felix and. You know, it'd be fun. Why? I don't know. I just want to no, put you in No, he played the cool neighbor who bangs chicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'd probably be Felix. I remember Cliff Smith got so mad at uh, me like, and Keith. Pick that up, Ryan. <laughs> me and Keith Turgeon, uh, because we kept on changing this. So Cliff, our friend, was in um, uh, sound and in tech. And so there's a part towards the end where I had to say something, and then a doorbell had to ring, and then Keith would come in and say something else. And so every night we changed it. And so every night he never knew when to ring the doorbell. <laughs> and I could, and I would change the monologue. You, you you're familiar with what I do. I would change the monologue. Not a lot. I mean, I would still say what the monologue was, but I'd always add Ryan's PSs to it. Yeah, and, like a uh, tinge of like, different word or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so there's a part. Uh, the one I remember the most is because everyone went crazy. Um, is So I kick him out of the poker game. Right. And they leave. And then I, I say my thing and... Uh, Keith said, you have to make, sh- make sure you say, you're right, you're right, you're right, three times. And it was supposed to be, you're right, and mm-hmm. then um, Felix shows back up. Yeah. Well, Keith decided to come in front of Felix coming back. And so I go, you're right, you're right. And he just busts through the door. He's like, you're damn right, I'm right. And he <laughs> shut the door and left. <laughs> and I'll never forget, people were laughing. And you're always scared of what Mr. Klug is going to do. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you ad-libbing. Yeah. He was not a one for ad-libbing. He was not. However, on that one... So he used to sit in the very front row and he put up like these wooden like uh, barriers so no one could sit with him. Mm-hmm. And he just I just heard, <laughs> and then I knew he got it. I was like, ah, oh, he doesn't care. It's echoing off of the wooden panels he's got separating him from the plebes. <laughs> cool. Right on. Yep. Anyways, what's coming out in movie news? Do we have a Corinne thing? No, she's uh, she's out of town, I think, or mm-hmm. something. So, Catching the Classics will return next week. Nice. Um, Ryan, do you want a Friends nope. reunion? Could I be more excited? Uh, uh, the, I guess they want to do like a Paley Center. Hey, let's go talk about the show. Mm-hmm. Not really do a re, like a real reunion. Yeah, well, I'm down. HBO Max is going to do something like that. So, but anyway, getting those guys back in a room together. Yeah, like I'm thinking about going to the Fathom event where it's like six thanksgiving episodes mm-hmm. might be fun yeah did you go to the one that they did uh, i did and so i feel like, like a horrible friends fan <laughs> i i don't think that's gonna define your fandom <laughs> yeah. missing that fathom <laughs> maybe i mean like well I, I mean i do own them all so i'm really just paying to sit in a theater that may be fun though like sit in theater you know have some popcorn watch some friends i i feel you sometimes when i miss a riff tracks because i'm just like man i'm a terrible riff tracks get tier whatever they call themselves but 
uh, Miss. Well, it's Misty's, but Misty's are part of Mystery Center Theater. Uh, Paramount Pictures uh, sold the rights to make Beverly Hills Cop four to Netflix with an option for another sequel. So we get some more Beverly Hills Cop, which. <laughs> Billy, I need your help. All right, Axel. <laughs> I don't like the Quirks cartoon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Ryan, you saw Dolomite is my name, as did I. I mean, Eddie Murphy seems to be back. Oh in yeah, a, no, Dolomite is a great movie. Back in a groove. So uh, if we get some more Axel Foley out of that and uh, done with some nice little intent, I'd be totally you, down for that. You know, when you watch uh, Dolomite is my name, yeah, it makes you realize how much you've missed Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy, dude. I, I feel like i missed him so much that at near the end of that movie i started crying because i'm just like man it was so much fun hanging out with you <laughs> right um well that and the fact that the character is just amazingly well performed yep. um watch dolomite is my name it's on netflix it's fucking great um it's good no it's great it's pretty great it's written by two writers who know how to write a biopic correctly um brad i'm confused what's black adam and what does it have to do with dc i know Dwayne the rock johnson's involved why are you asking me? Because you're the DC fan. Um, so Black Adam is also imbued with the power of Shazam. Okay, it's uh, he's an he's like an ancient Egyptian. Um, so his story is tied to Egypt. Okay, and he's not totally a bad guy, but he's pretty much a bad guy. So he's basically Shazam's arch enemy. So is this film gonna be like a, a, in conjunction with Shazam or does it even matter at this um, point? I'm sure it will be. It's something tells me it's gonna be a lot like um, Venom. I was about to say, like, it sounds like Black Adam is the Venom of where Shazam he, where Yeah, where he's a bad guy, but then he became popular, so people kind of go, oh, um, let's make black adam kind of an anti-hero okay he's kind of like neymar so um which i want them to do in the mcu so at some point. neymar could be a good guy or a bad guy depending on who you are i mean he's you know king of the atlanta or prince of the atlanteans and any perceived threat he'll kill you dude he, so. he took out a submarine that's right he's a badass that's right i want so him in the i am not as well versed in black adam i know some of his story because i play injustice oh okay um now if you ask me dc like harley quinn or batgirl Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm really just Batman. Okay, yeah, for that's sure. That's all I got. Oh, fair you should pick up Harleen. It's a new, like, prestige format comic. The Black Label series? Or? Yeah, it's, it's $8, but it's um, oversized, and it's uh, so it's like a magazine size, mm -hmm. and it's 68 pages, no ads. Mm. And um, the first two issues deal with her um, falling for uh, the Joker, mm -hmm. and her... Um, so it basically expands on our story because it doesn't really reveal anything. It's just more of a character study. So there's really no um, fighting it. Well, actually, there's at the beginning, there's a great moment where she first meets the Joker and uh, Batman. And Batman's like beating the shit out of Joker and people are cheering him on. It's mm. pretty wicked awesome. Very nice. So, yeah. And it's cool because it basically... Um, she's obsessed with him because no one can get through to the Joker. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she goes through all his paperwork and she says, Oh, you know, um, he says the same thing. You know, he's, he's incapable of feelings. And then she reads something and she picks up on something that he does. And so she's, her goal is to break him. And, okay. and f what's really cool is if you know the story, he's actually playing her mm -hmm. and um, it, it's really fascinating her descent into being crazy. Okay. I'm I I that Birds of Prey trailer got me really 
like digging on the Harley Quinn mm-hmm. thing again. So I'm definitely yeah, going to I love some her uh, little saying in the trailer where she says they should be afraid of me. Not Batman, not Mr. J. Me. me. I'm yeah. Harley freaking Quinn. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Looks she like should, a fun film. I like when she breaks free of the Joker, but it's also interesting to see her uh, work with the Joker because they also have another one um, called Criminal Sanity where she's a uh, criminal uh, forensics person. So it's basically like a... Is it like a redo of the origin? It's or? like a Hannibal show. but So she's a criminal psych, uh, forensics person and the Joker is a serial killer. Mm. Um, so they're going around and... Okay. That sounds like fun. It's interesting. Hmm. It's been one. Uh, the art in them is fantastic. What's really cool is they let the artists kind of do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so it's really cool. If you, you might like the... John Carpenter did a Joker one shot. I heard, yeah, and uh, interesting. I'm I'm down to read whatever. It's hard to find. You know, I hey, if I can fund his video game habit, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I keep on going when I heard John Carpenter playing was playing Fortnite, like because I know what Fortnite is like <laughs> on a basic level. That's when I was just like, man, like I don't understand the world anymore. But that's cool. If he likes playing it, who am I to judge? Yeah, right? um, yeah video games are for uh, are for all people's. Games. Yeah. Playing the fuck out of Link's Awakening. I should find a console that I like and start playing it. So the Friday 13th game is coming to Switch? It's out. It's out, yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the cover's way cooler. It's like uh, him coming out of the water. Yeah, it's like all the stuff. Yeah. Like Ultimate Slash Racer. It's $30. I know, but it's going to be $20, I think, um, on Black Friday. Oh, nice. But I bought the PS4 version one last year. Mm. I'm wondering, should I still wait for a PS4 or Or you could give it to bucks? me and I'll just get a PS4 <laughs> yeah, I maybe I don't know. I mean, is PS Five coming out soon uh, or next year? Okay, so if it can play PS Four games, can. okay, then backwards compatible. Then just give it to me, Ryan or Brad. Okay, <laughs> you're not Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, if you really want to get a game console and you don't know what you want, I'd get a Switch Lite. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it doesn't dock to your TV though. Yeah, it doesn't dock to the TV, but it's 199 dollars, and you can play all the Switch games on it. I mean, unless you want it to dock to your TV. I mean, so it's another $50 to have it dock to your TV. But I, I've been telling that to um, one of the ladies I work with. Her boy really likes Mario, mm-hmm. but she's a single mom, so she's, you know. Um... Your text came through finally. <laughs> yeah, I just got it too. Uh, <laughs> so she was curious if a Switch Lite would be good for her son who really likes the DS. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, I mean, if unless you want to hook it up to your TV. Um, I said, you know, if a Switch Lite, if your son likes playing DS and you want to, you know, watch TV, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's $199, so it's only $20 more than a Nintendo DS right now if you get the flip one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she said, oh, that's kind of a good deal. I said, it's a great deal. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to look at it. I mean. I mean, I said, if, if you, unless you're into, you know, gaming. No. I mean. I mean, I'm like, if you give me like a story game, I'll play it. If it's multiplayer, like unless I'm oh, playing I don't with play them, multiplayer, yeah, games. I mean, yeah. If I, I don't do online thing or whatever, like I, the way I get into video games, if I play them, is I'm like, okay, is there a story that I have to complete? Good, okay, I'm done. Um, with that, that's why I want to play the Friday the Thirteenth game and um, uh, I, any Mario game that's come out recently. Uh, I'd yeah, like then to you play, gotta so. get a Switch. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think Mario Odyssey is the best Mario game ever made. All so. right, then I guess Nintendo's getting my money sometimes. Should because. I, I literally, so I, I got Luigi's Mansion, mm-hmm. and I haven't even opened it yet because I've just been playing Zelda like crazy. Because I get sucked into it. Because, you know, the, the Switch are in sleep mode, so when I turn it on, Zelda is just going, like, yeah, I'll just run around for a little <laughs> bit. And I go, oh. Too lazy to switch menus. Yeah. I'm like, oh, now I'm going to go run and do this quest. Mm-hmm. Oh, this monkey gave me a stick? What can I do with this stick? <laughs> 
But the game's great if you haven't played it yet. I'm so far behind on Switch games. Um, we talked a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, we're doing other stuff too. Uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier in the episode, but the Simpsons aspect ratio problem is uh, apparently going to be fixed by early 2020 on Disney Plus. So, uh, uh, yeah, it kind of sucks that they didn't figure that out. But I think that the Simpsons was not really on their high priority list in terms of getting that set up and ready to go. Like they've got the Mandalorian and yeah. other uh, OG content for their system. Uh, well, they probably brought it up there and I didn't think it would be an issue. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. I mean, uh, this I thought was kind of cool. Uh, the Russo brothers are doing a little docuseries for Quibi that will be talking about uh, the Marvel versus DC kind of like... What the fuck is a Quibi? Uh, Quibi is a uh, short-form content streaming service that um, is that I'm not being done by Spielberg. Oh, maybe um, I'll pay for it. But this, uh, the Quibi is it's a Marvel versus DC docuseries Sweet. called Slugfest, and it's based on the book by Reed Tucker, Slugfest Inside the Epic 50-Year Battle Between Marvel and DC, which I haven't read the book, but the Marvel book that you recommended to me three years ago now is one of my favorite Audible listens. Yeah, it's awesome. So I may want to check this book out, and um, we'll report back to each other let us know we'll we'll let each other know if it's any good nice um we've had to do that with a cary grant book before like yes. <laughs> we should do a side podcast called... you brought that evenings with cary grant it's amazing <sighs> I want... I, it's it's just the fact that you're telling me that it's dictation letters and stuff like that just mm-hmm. actual correspondence is why i really want to read it um uh the last piece of news that i have unless i've missed anything is um uh, remember, uh, you probably don't remember, but I've bitched a lot about how Netflix films won't be put on Blu-ray and Ballad of Buster Scruggs will never see the light of day and whatnot. Well, it turns out that Netflix is giving Roma to the Criterion Collection, which I bring it up as news because that means there's the possibility that a lot of films going forward can get onto a physical format. So that's pretty damn cool news. Um, so, you know, I'm just saying uh, the Ridiculous Six... Uh, murder party, uh, you know, Adam uh, Sandler, uh, six pack. Yeah, exactly. You know, you could I mean, I'd get it. I'm not going to lie. L- listen, if they could do a Godzilla pack with that nice pop art and whatnot, just imagine like a, an Adam Sandler one where it's Maybe on the cover going. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, do. but like, just imagine the possibilities we have here. A Dolomite is my name. Blu-ray. I would love, um, Thank you, everyone. Uh, as well, I have I have Marvel shows on Blu-ray from Netflix. Yeah, well, they've yeah. they've done it mainly with their TV stuff, not their movies. That's why this is pretty fun. But yeah, and Roma's a good movie. Check it out. It uh, was a wonderful film from last year. I think my number five. Um, but yeah, that's news. I can't believe you didn't bring up that their uh, antitrust for the Paramount decree is going away, which basically means that they're going to allow movie theaters to own theaters again. And um, wait, when did this happen? Uh, maybe. Today, today, and so okay, I didn't see it. Then. So Sorry. they're worried about strong studios are going to strong arm um, smaller independent films. So it's like you know Disney owns El Capitan, right? Um, but that's and, the, and that's weird. It's a weird like like after effect of the antitrust suit back from the fifties. Uh, so yeah, so that's going to go away. And so um, the drive-in sent me uh, the article. Yeah, um, not entirely sure how that affects them, but I, I think they're going to be a. Uh, I think it does not bode well. That's that's a big problem because that's which guys we tried this before. <laughs> it didn't really work. <laughs> I think the like the only upside is that um like a, like stuff that's being held back like Disney with Fox mm-hmm. movies for like midnight screenings and stuff. I think then, that gets turned around. Yeah. But yeah, so it's um, very interesting. I don't know 
it's it's complicated. I was trying to yeah, because it. I mean, technically, if uh, movie studios buy theaters and they force you to see those certain movies, you could you can sue them under antitrust because you're not allowing them. It's taking advantage of consumers, right? Um, yeah, I mean, because you know, Disney already strong armed people with uh, the Last Jedi. Yeah, so. Um, it's interesting, and I mean, it, I think the the Paramount decrees from thirty eight or something forty eight mm-hmm. forty eight. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting article. We'll a lot. Well, and a lot of that has to do with like just it's it's like the the whirlwind of everything that happened at that point between television coming in. Between yeah. Well, the the and that antitrust suit was there like ten years prior, but then it was kind of ignored during the war, and then it comes back to the fold after that point. You know, it's interesting. If you read books from the studio system or you read about um, producers like Selnick and stuff, mm-hmm. you can see why those things exist because those people were – they were not nice people. No. Um, I'm interested to see because now movies make so much money that it, it, it'll be interesting. And then it'll be – because it could also be, you know, Netflix opens up a theater and say, hey, if you want to see – our movies in the theater. Yeah, if you, you want to, can... yeah, like fucking Irishman or Dolomite is my name. If you really yeah. want to see those movies, Marriage Story is coming out like yeah. not too long uh, we'll in see. a while. So, I mean, like, I'm not. Again, I don't know what that looks like in the current era. I just know what it looks like. Like, you can hear a story from years ago and learn its lesson. If it happens again, it's just like, okay, well, what do we know and what do we not know about how this can affect the industry? Because the industry's changed so much well, in yeah, 80 but years. You, you posted an interesting article, too, about a guy from a video store. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he touches on something I think is really right. And people always make fun of me because I still buy physical stuff. Yeah. He, in the article, he says people realize that you don't have everything. Yeah. There's this, there's this uh, farce that people put out and say, oh, Netflix has you know, 15,000 titles. Yeah. But do they really? No. I mean, where else can I get, you know, I mean, I I love Cary Grant, and the only way I can get those movies is I had to order them from Warner Archives to have them printed on a DVD and sent to me. Right. Um, so he's right on on that, and I, there's this um, thinking that you can get whatever you want. And I was even reading an article that Disney Plus is going to start dropping things. Yeah. So even though they own them, they're going to put them theoretically back in the vault. Uh, so uh, you, the you, vault. you really don't own... Again, I've always said you don't own things that you stream. Yeah. They're going to take them away from you. If you can't hold it in your hand, it's not yours. And like, but I mean, again, and also, you know, within the realm of theatrical distribution, the, the, the bigger question is just like, okay, well, if, if you have like, let's say you have a Warner theater again and you have like the Paramount theater and you have the, you know, MGM had Lowe's theaters back in the day. If you have all that, like, where does it leave something like, like, like a Universal who just decides, well, I'm not going to own a theater, which is, you know, they didn't have Universal didn't have their own theater chain; they had to rent out from other chains. So, I'm curious how it'll work out, but that's interesting. I had no idea that happened. Does that mean Disney will be like, hey, Alamo, like, Mm -hmm. you have to buy up, you have to fill all your screens with Rise of Skywalker, or else, you know, you don't get Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, because they. They brought up because they brought up that Last Jedi thing in this article. I think it was in Variety. I don't remember. I get movie stuff all the time. I don't remember where I got it from. Where uh, some movie theaters in smaller towns won't didn't show the Last Jedi because they had to stay there for four weeks. And they, their argument is, well, there's only you know five thousand people in our town. After two weeks, everybody's seen it. Yeah. So we have one theater. So you're going to force us to show this for four weeks, and no one's going to come in. I get it. Yeah. No. Something like that, you'd have to change your, the- you know, because I live in a town that only has barely two thousand people. If you have a movie theater there, you'd have to have one screen, mm-hmm. and you'd show like, you know, for two weeks, you'd show freaking Avengers Endgame, and yeah. then after end of two weeks, then you're gonna put in 
don't know, fucking Deadpool 2. I don't know what came out after that, but... I mean, does, like, does, that, does Idaho Springs need a movie theater? I wish. I mean, I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I mean, like, it's interesting. I'm, I'd be curious to see, like, if a news article like that comes out, like, what's the PR response from any studio, yeah. like, especially Disney, because... They've had PR snafus in the last five years, yeah, like, I mean, well, but it's mostly theme park related. But, but at the end of the day, they're gonna be like, well, if you want to see these movies, you're gonna have to come here. Yeah, and it's up to so, you if you want to see them. Yeah, but I think that'll further alienate people from going to the theaters, which sucks. We'll see. But you know, there are a lot of factors in the theater going yeah. experience. But have anyways, you noticed any properties in Idaho Springs that could <laughs> the gold mine? A theater? Well, there the gold mine. No. So there is there is an old opera house that is like this flea market right now that's mm. really kind of obnoxious. But when you walk in, you can see like the um, so you go down like a ramp. Mm-hmm. So you could literally go down and put like a screen up. Yeah, you could do it. Sweet. Open up. Call the majestic. Hell yes. I feel like a dork when you said flea market. I was like, it's just like a mini mall in my head. Yeah. Uh, dirt mall. Dirt mall. The people there are really nice. Mm. I yep. should I should go down to the flea market mm-hmm. in Idaho Springs. Why not? I like. I remember that picture you sent me from the flea market with the watermelons. Do you remember the sign you sent me? From? Yeah. Oh, God. I could not believe that existed. Uh, I'm not going to say because it it's really bad, but no, it's yeah. terrible. But they have a, they have a. I keep forgetting to go back. They have a, like a huge VHS vault there. Do they? Yeah. So, mm. gotta check that out. Cool. Yep. Movies coming out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, guys, we, we the the best release of the week is hands down. Um, I mean, there's two, there's many great ones, but the best one is the 40th anniversary steelbook of Rock and Roll High School 1979 classic from Roger Corman Stable. You can check that out on sure. Shout Selects, guys. I don't know if you know this, that movie's pretty amazing. It right. it it has the Ramones and PJ Souls, and for some reason, Clint Howard runs a weird dating service out of a boy's bathroom. It's strange. I think that's what he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you saw him in Three from Hell. He also does that, right? Well, that's okay. why I had to do Three from Hell to keep, keep that, that going. <laughs> keep that weird operation from Rock and Roll High School going. Cool story, um, Corman nerd. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... Roger Corman's a, a, a true giant. Um, that movie's fun. Uh, but yeah, you can check that out on Blu-ray. Now, the big release that um, Ryan and I are probably going to love the hell out of is the Abbott and Costello, the complete uh, collection. And you already have it, I'm assuming? Uh, or did well, you do the pre-order I, through them? I No, I ordered it from Amazon. They charged me last night, and it's not going to be here till Thursday. So Mother I don't know... Why it's taking so long to be delivered? Uh, I've had issues with the pre-orders uh, last times I've did them. Yeah, this is the first. One. Uh, I haven't had one in a long time, but I mean, Not, they, they my thing hasn't updated that it's shipped, but they charged me, so that means it's shipped. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it'll show up tomorrow, and I'll be surprised. Maybe there's backup because of the holidays. I don't know. I think it because the. I mean, it dropped in price eighty dollars, uh-huh. so it's like one. I think I, I didn't. With mine was like one twenty. You know that um. Speaking of that, the, the price drops though. You know that Hitchcock thing that we were looking at, mm. uh, the the with the blueprints and shit. That thing dropped down to fucking fifty bucks. Wow. So I think with like shout movies though, they money. really don't drop that often. No, but they shouldn't have to because it's worth it. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll have twenty-seven outing and sell movies. Yeah. Um, amongst the more newer releases, uh, Criterion is putting out Cold War, which was a uh, Oscar nominee from last year. You can pick it that up. So cold in his way. <laughs> I think that's a line from the movie. I mean, yeah, except it's, you know, dubbed into another language. But anyway, you can check that out if you uh, so desire. Uh, also, Joffrey. 
La Garie. <laughs> wow. I've Stuff heard... like that in French. I forget what war in French is. I'll have to check out this movie now and go, Ryan. old in French. I, well, I, you speak French, so. Not in a long time. Tango um, frio. <laughs> yes. Uh, Which is Spanish for, I am cold. Did you, Ryan, <laughs> did you see Dora in the City of Lost Gold? Nope. Or whatever? Okay, well, you can pick that up on Blu-ray. I didn't know since um, you It's got weird a kid. because I think the girl who plays Dora is supposed to, I think in real life she's 19, 18, or 19. Uh-huh. They try to, like, not make her attractive, but you can still see that she's kind of attractive, and it's really weird. Mm, okay. Swiper. Um, no swiping. Aw, oh, man. Uh, uh, Shout Select is putting out Chuck Berry, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. You nice. can pick that up in a collector's edition. That like sounds like Chuck fun. Berry. Yeah. Except when he peed on women. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, very weird. Don't pee on women, guys, especially if you're Chuck. Is it weird that he did that or someone actually recorded him doing it? I think everything about it is weird, <laughs> and it's hard to pick specifics. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Charles. I'm it's your cousin. Peeing. I'm just peeing. Marvin Berry. <laughs> You know what sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. You know, we never we never did hear the other end of that discussion on the phone. We just heard Marvin's end. So You pee in my <laughs> Are you peeing right there, Charles? Um the twentieth anniversary of Jawbreaker is coming out on Blu ray. I uh, I didn't. I forgot that movie came out in '99. Uh, Suspiria from 1977 is getting a 4K release from Synapse Films. That might look pretty awesome in 4K. I've and I guess it's also they're carrying over the recent 4K transfer that they did for the Blu-ray release. Mm. So that's good news because I heard that particular release was very well Suspiria. curated. Suspiria. Suspiria. <laughs> trailer is epic. Uh, Warner Archive is putting out a Lana Turner, Kirk Douglas movie that is really good called The Bad and the Beautiful. You can check that out. Also got Walter Pidgeon and Dick Powell. So. Yeah, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Powell. Universal is putting out one of their vault titles again, and it's Scarface from 1932, uh, the original Howard Hawks version, That's which has good. two cuts. Of, yes. <laughs> thank you. You're correct. Uh, it's got two cuts of the film, one that the censors rejected and the one that you know, yeah, awesome. see, I'm going to shoot you with this gun, see? And then it cuts. And then the uncensored version is like, I'm going to shoot you with this gun, see? And then he shoots him and you see blood. Yeah. And then he turns to the ventroquist and tells him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time you see an X, that means somebody's going to die, see? It's called visual metaphor, see? James Cagney. <laughs> James Cagney's not in that movie, but yes. <laughs> We're doing a James it's, Cagney. It's Paul Muni, George Raft, and Boris Karloff, yeah. so what are you going to do? Yeah. And that's a Karloff role, um... Just after Frankenstein, but it's like a carryover because, like, it's a Howard, it's a Howard Hawks movie produced by Howard Hughes. So, guess how long it took to fucking make? <laughs> um, uh, there's a re-release of Thirty Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. That's a movie I still haven't seen, even though I love oh, Kurt Kevin Russell. Movie yeah, well, Kurt Russell's in it too, so I think. And yes, he has first billing on the poster, so it's Kurt Russell's movie. I saw a meme where they said Kurt Russell's punched thirty-seven times in Death Proof before they stump on his head. Really? Yeah. That's a, in a row? <laughs> yeah. Maybe <laughs> want to go back and watch it. I'm like, does he really punch? I think he is. He's punched a lot. Yeah. Well, he's. You mean he had it coming? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> One of the greatest line movies of all time. Um, Scream Factory is putting out the fan from 1981. It's a movie I have not seen before, but um, the guys when they talked about it on the Shockwaves, um, the uh, guys who do Scream Factory, they said that it's just a film that's kind of I have a weird niche audience, so mm -hmm. I'd want to check it out. Um, Shout Selects is putting out Edward James Olmos' film American Me. I have not seen that movie. Maybe I should check it out. I don't know. We did a panel with him. 
Edward Chase Solos? Yeah, like three years ago at Comic-Con. Really? Yeah. James did. I was doing, uh, mm-hmm. I was, my panel at the same time was the guy who played Boba Fett in the films, not Jeremy his, Bullock. Mm, yes. Mm. He was really nice. He did like acting classes with people. It was fun. Okay. Interesting. I mean, he's uh, no Kevin Conroy when he sung. Hmm. I mean, but he's Edward James almost. He's, he's, he's mm. done some things. <laughs> he was British, right? So he had an accent. Is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Charlie's Angels. Boba Fett. <laughs> and then last thing is Charlie's Angels is coming out on uh, the complete series is coming out on Blu-ray from Mill Mill Creek. So I guess cool. I didn't realize Mill Creek did Blu-rays. So oh, yeah. cool. Did they put them in those crappy little packages like no, they usually do? They did that Last Action Hero. Yeah, like VHS style release. I keep on waiting. I want, they should make a special edition of that movie. Hmm. Come on, shout! Yeah, it's right up your alley. It's a shout select. I would love to see a documentary about the making of that film. Hmm. I mean, love to see it. It'd be great. If hey, give it a couple more years. If nothing happens, I'll try to start making it. Do it. Um, I mean, it'll be thirty years in three years. So. Yeah. Uh, the last release is uh, a fun little title, Ryan, for you and I, called "Hitchhike to Hell." Nice. Uh, from nineteen seventy-seven. Uh, the 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 poster is uh, a guy driving uh, a hell. dead body, and then that same guy wearing uh, carrying a suitcase. If you look at it, it's like all kind of neon oh, and shit. So. You can check that out. And uh, that's Blu-rays. We watch stuff throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. Brad? Was that enough space? No. Okay. We do. We sh- see stuff all week in a segment I call uh, What We've Been Watching. Was that really good? Yeah, but Zach ruined it by giggling through it. So. Fuck. Every week we watch shows and movies in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Okay, uh, we're good. And go. This week I watched uh, The Toys That Made Us, Season 3. Oh, yes. So did I. I forgot to watch that. Uh, they had the uh, Ninja Turtles uh, expose in it, and I thought it was actually kind of shallow. Nice. Fuck them, then. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it seems like they really did more of, like, Focusing on the entire history of like the turtle phenomenon, right? More than uh, the figures, and like they missed an opportunity. Like it was great they focused on the playmates figures, but NECA's killing it with figures, mm. and they could have like addressed the new stuff. Yeah. Um, the only really like, really good part was seeing Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who have had this fractured relationship for I don't know twenty years now, mm. come together by the end of the episode. But I feel like it's a little more fabricated than it really is about, mm. like, their split. Like, it, th- I think they edit it to make it seem more dire than it really is. Mm. Uh, but it was really sweet to see them kind of come together and, like, draw some stuff at the end. Yeah. And, uh, the the framing around Mirage Studios and what it represents is a d- really cool part of the episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they spent a lot of time talking about, like, the, the, the TV deal and everything. And it's like, just I, focus on the toys like the other episodes. Yeah, I could have done without the interviews from Vanilla Ice. And I yeah. don't understand really why Kevin Smith's talking about him. So he has yeah, like, virtually nothing to do with the Turtles other than that one cameo in TMNT. So. Every time I ever heard Kevin Smith talk about the, the Eastman and Laird comics, mm-hmm. like, he's always been, like, completely misinformed. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's... I like that show, but I'm also aware of what its in- what its intent is. So. Yeah, I mean, I felt that way about uh, the first season too. I mean, it's cool seeing it, but I, I think as a documentary, they're not that they they rely a lot on nostalgia, 
But I felt like they at least had like better and like more in depth interviews with the people who made them. I mean, the He Man one was great. I actually, yeah. my, I love the He Man one. I like the Transformers one a lot because it talks a little bit about like the like I, I, there's stuff I didn't know about that franchise, but also like Peter Cullen's interview is really good. Do you think the because Star Wars you're one. so close to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that is why? Um... There's a possibility that like I know a lot of this stuff already, so it's not as interesting. Yeah. But yeah. I still felt like compared to like the Star Wars one and the, and the Transformers and the GI Joe stuff, like well, it felt like I think the Star Trek one's the most interesting because it's talking about a toy franchise that's not really a toy franchise. Yeah, you know that doesn't have a ton of merchandise, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, whereas the Turtles does, and it's just kind of a shame that they don't like. Like they they have so many figures in that line, and there's so many like variants of just the same four things. Yeah, that it's it's just kind of glossed over. The uh, I mean, I don't know how you felt about. It. I like I think the Power Rangers one was rather interesting, just because of like more more or less about the history of Saban films than anything else, and yeah. like that whole history. Like, uh, and you know, and they tied into the Japanese stuff. Did I ever tell you that I did a panel at? Denver Pop Culture Con with Amy Joe Johnson and uh, Jason David Frank. Yeah, well, I heard one of them was a douche. <laughs> I know. I can't believe she was that way. <laughs> <laughs> she might be listening to the show and she's like, I really like those real nerd guys. What are they going to say about me? Fuck. No, Amy Joe Johnson was amazingly yeah. nice. Yeah. One of the few people that was actually early to panel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the initial one's okay. Um, not, not everything I was hoping for. And then they did uh, My Little Pony. Um, wrestling and power rangers power rangers yeah. yeah so the wrestling one was actually a little more fascinating um because they had like all these rival lines and the licenses would constantly get taken away and transferred and all the ed mcmahon no jim vince. mcmahon vince mcmahon vince yeah. mcmahon um all of his shenanigans oh yeah like <laughs> i'm gonna create a football league because fuck it why not yeah like there but yeah um and then my little pony was cute but it's not. I still never get the appeal of My Little Pony. The the girls love horses, man. The, well, that episode <laughs> clearly had like divided opinions on two girls probably like most, horses. Probably the most fascinating part for me was like you know the original line they were going to do like they're all colored like real horse colors, mm-hmm. and then the original creators like, what you want to make them pink and blue? That's insane. And obviously that's. That's what they're out. known for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It the the My Little Pony episode is a pretty fascinating insight into like whose voices listened into a room and that, at that point in time and who's not. Like the opening of the episode is like the six the seventies was a time of recession. It's those like footage of like ni- of, like of New York in the seventies, and I'm just like that's a really grim way to start a My Little Pony episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's a I mean, I'm not turtle literate per se, so I I enjoyed the episode enough, but it's not as good as that documentary. Well, get ready for next year because you're gonna hear a lot about it. Oh, I know. I think I'm gonna have to do a revisit to the movies. So. Year of the Turtle. Yeah, Year of the Turtle. I wonder if it's actually the Year of the Turtle, the Chinese Zodiac. That would be so crazy. Look if it was. I'm looking right now. That'd be awesome. Um, the other thing I watched was also on Netflix was Living with Yourself with Paul Rudd. Mm. Oh, I watched the first episode of that. Yeah, it play, plays a clone. Um, since you haven't seen the other episodes, um, no. it's not a spoiler, but the amazing thing about the show, I think, is how, you know, the first episode kind of follows the one guy. Second episode, you kind of follow the clone and how he got to, um, where he is. And then the third episode, will go back to, you know, his original self. And the fourth episode will, <laughs> huh? It's not the year of the turtle. It is a year of the rat. Hmm. Close enough. Yeah. Um, Specifically, the metal rat. The metal. So, anyways, talking so about throw up the horns, hardcore. Yeah. 
Metal rat. Fucking A. Mouse rat. Um, You're the metal rat, bro. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's cool how they show, like, each episode is almost from a different perspective of a character in the show. Because, like, mm-hmm. later on, it's, like, how his wife saw the entire experience. Oh, cool. Um, and the fallout of that. And, it, and, like, each episode overlaps a little bit. So you get, like, a teaser for, like, oh, this, what's going to happen in this episode? And then, like, the next episode... Um, doesn't get to that until the end. And you see like how that perspective changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, just the uh, two Paul Rudds alone, like I forget that it's the same actor the whole time. Like it's so well done mm. combining the, like the same person in all these shots. Um, you know, I, like, I don't see CGI at all. It's, it's, it's incredible. So, and the, and the story is really interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched the first episode and I was hooked, but I just get busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to sometimes watch things because I have to compete with two other people. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should explain to people listening. So the show is about Paul Rudd. He is like in a rut in his life. His marriage is dissolving. And a friend at work tells him like, hey, you should go to this spa. Because it seems like he used to be like Paul Rudd and he's yeah. like, look at me now and everybody loves him. Yeah, I'm a success, I'm a success now and I did yeah. this, so this could help you too. And initially he kind of blows it off, but then he's just like, all I right. Love, I love the cameo at the beginning. or Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it gets funnier in the later episode because, you know, there's another version of Tom Brady running around. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he goes to the spa and then they they say they're like going to heal him, but there's like an accident and they actually end up cloning him mm-hmm. illegally. And then um, <laughs> they bury. <laughs> and so they bury the, the clone thinking that it's dead. Mm-hmm. And now uh, it comes rises from the grave and then uh tracks him down and then both Paul Rudd's have to figure out how to manage their life with two versions of themselves. Somehow and, I manage. Yep. Uh so that was cool. And then uh the last thing I watched was really good, I thought, um and actually saw it twice already. Ford v, v Ferrari. Hmm. Nice. Um What? Same. What's that? I said, man, are we seeing Ford versus Ferrari? Uh I can wait. No, no, I no you talk about it because i'm talking about when we were at trivia and i said hey man so our film of the week is ford versus ferrari right you said no i think the guys want to do charlie's angels i said really and you said did i stutter and i was like wow no no you put those words in my mouth because you're quoting the office james on the episode said hey you guys should watch charlie's angels and we said oh oh that's adorable because you won't be here yes we totally get that james um yeah no i meant Ford ferrari (laughs) so when you posted charlie's angels i was like (sighs) <sighs> whatever <laughs> alright we saw a movie <laughs> um, what are we seeing next week though maybe uh, I should save it cause yeah. Knives Out is oh, Thanksgiving frozen. week Frozen oh Frozen okay yeah, I guess frozen we're touching that there's like a couple movies hey, keep talking Ford anyway, vs. Ferrari yeah. um, is fantastic uh, I, you probably saw I gave it four stars on Letterboxd um, it's the story of Carol Shelby mm-hmm. uh, famous race car driver and sports car d- designer so next week is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Frozen 2, and 21 Bridges. Jesus Christ, that's a full day. Yeah, so... But that's a... We should save one of those because I think the sixth is the Playmobil movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Ryan, you don't watch, want to well, watch Playmobil, the Tom movie? Tom Holland is uh, one of the voices, so... Is it the player of the mobile? <laughs> Um, Anyways, he, oh, he's the guy who took a really big check home. <laughs> no one else saw this movie this week, right? No, no. Okay, 
I was I was hoping for like some surprise, like oh the movie of the week actually is this. No, I wish. And I wish no, it was. I wish. Um, because yeah, so Carol Shelby, um, he's got a buddy Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale. He's like so in tune with racing, like he's a racing god, but he also is, is dysfunctional. He's like flies off the handle. Um, like the people who want to sponsor him don't want to sponsor him because he's not a good image for the brand. Right. So anyway, Ford comes call. Ford's in a slump. They come calling to Carol Shelby. Uh, they say, "Hey, you know, we need a brand refresh. What can we do?" Actually, Lee, Lee Iacocca decides they need to get into racing. So like because so, they want to update Ford's brand. They want to update Ford's brand. Um, and Ferrari is you know that's the car the kids want. Like that's what get there. It's in movies. They're excited. The sleekness of it. Yeah. All, yeah. Like that's the energy we need to harness. Yeah. Don't worry. I didn't what? see the movie. I just know the story. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? Ferrari's going out of business because they spent so much time making an awesome car, like been perfecting it. They've run out of money. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't mass produce cars. They build amazing ones, but only sell a few. Right. Right. So they're like, Hey, let's just go buy Ferrari. And Ferrari uses that leverage in a buyout with Fiat. So that's egg on Ford's face. Uh, and then, so the, uh, Henry Ford, the second decides, um, to get back at him by trying to beat him at the 24 hours of Le Mans. Yeah. So, uh, they hire Carol, Carol Shelby. Shelby wants Ken miles to drive whatever prototype they build. Ken helps build it. Um, but Ford, the Ford executives keep coming down on the team being like, you know, Ken can't represent the brand, you know, he's, he's like a, he's a, he's a hippie. He can't, you know, that's, that's not our image. And so a lot of it is Ken trying to tell Carol Shelby that, you know, all your ambition to like make this amazing car is going to get squashed by these Ford executives. Um, and so, you know, they, they go through like trying to race and the Ford coming down and like sabotaging everything. And then Carol having to go back and explain like, you know, um, you know, we lost this one, but guess what, how we didn't lose and then convincing them to go again and again. And then Ken dealing with his demons. And, uh, uh, the best part of that movie is like, I'm not a car guy, but watching them try to explain like how these cars are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the watching Christian Bale's character try to like rise above his situation. Um, it's just inspiring. And, the movie's like 150 minutes long or something. Mm-hmm. So it's really long, but um, I was only frustrated because someone, as we were leaving, was like, that movie was 150 minutes long. Like, but it was amazing. Like, I didn't feel like I was in there for almost three mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the racing's cool, like, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Christian Bale's portrayal of the character is just like, like, actually seeing him play someone British mm-hmm. um, is fantastic. And then, like, Matt Damon's Southern drawl as Carol Shelby, like, and, like, standing up for Ken all the time. Like, just, it's great. Like, definitely give it a watch. Yeah. The trailer, every time I watch a trailer for it, it, remind, it makes me feel like I'm, like, am I watching a trailer for a Ron Howard movie? And then I'm like, nope, I'm not watching a trailer for a Ron Howard movie. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, I, the trailer makes you think it's, like, a rivalry, rivalry between Ken and Carol but it's really still this Ford and Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like the 24 hour Lamont, 24 hour Lamont race at the end, mm-hmm. like just the shots of the cars racing and like what all the, like all the dire situations, like they set everything up. So it's like, you really feel like the perils coming, mm-hmm. um, and how dangerous things are. 
Um, and I never, I wasn't until the second viewing that I noticed stuff like, you know, the period accurateness of something. Except, here's one thing. There's a shot where Ken's driving with his wife and she's pissed off because she thinks he's quit racing and he like she found out he went and got saw the prototype car. Mm-hmm. So Ken like they just went grocery shopping. Ken pulls a bag out of grocery a uh, bag of chips out of the grocery bag and starts eating them. The bag is like a modern like Safeway brand wavy potato chips <laughs> bag, which isn't sixties graphic design appropriate. Yeah. It's like I was like, oops, <laughs> all that attention to detail. Um, just flushed down a toilet. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It might be in my top ten. We'll see. Right on. Uh, you know what I don't understand? So, December sixth is um the Playmobil movie. It's mm-hmm. the only wide release. Okay. December thirteenth is Black Christmas, Jumanji: The Next Level, Richard Jewell, Bombshell, and Uncut Gems. There's literally five movies. Well, Uncut Gems will probably be like six theaters, but yeah, Uncut but Gems is going to have an expansion thing. Uh, but still, I mean, but four of them are going to be. But Jumanji and what is it? Black Christmas, Bombshell, Richard Jewell, and then Black Christmas is counter programming. So yeah. And then I think the following week is like Cats. Well, no yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, Star Wars Cats and Star Wars. Star Wars, and then the week after is like. Nothing. Uh, little you know, Christmas weekend is like Little Women and um, one other film, um, which I actually want to. I'm actually the last time I saw a trailer for Little Women, I was like, man, like I do like Lady Bird. I want to watch Greta Gerwig do more shit. Which holy shit, are we like six weeks away from Film Explosion 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. See, I'm conflicted because obviously the biggest movie of the year is Endgame, but I did like Avengers branding for Film Explosion last year. <laughs> you do Joker. Yeah, it feels like I'm doing Suicide Suicide Squad again, though. I was thinking maybe Shazam, yeah. but it wasn't that big of a movie. I made like 150 million. It made money, but it's like the 25th highest grossing movie of the year. <laughs> I don't know. Let me think about it. And Lion King is like it's not really like a 2019 movie. That and it's like the branding is very interesting. Yeah, it's not really. Yeah, Aladdin is like another Spider-Man higher... Far From Home. Yeah, do it. Glass. Do it. <laughs> Have we done Spider-Man branding for anything? No. No, we haven't. Hmm. I mean, last year was Spider-Verse, the best movie of the year, but I mean, what do I know? Yeah. I'm trying to think if I can get that font, though. A Spider-Man font? I'm sure you can. The old one, for sure. The Sony one? But... No, mm-hmm. Oh, the Far From Home one, because mm-hmm. de- it does look it's different. It's like handwritten. Yeah. I don't know. But it's six weeks away. Yep. So we need to pick a day. Yeah, we will. Hmm? Zach? Um, not a whole lot. Um, I, uh, (laughs) no, it really isn't. I actually spend a lot of the weekend editing. Um, I did. Toys that made us. Yeah. I watched toys that made us. Um, during the work week, I watched a docuseries called Wormwood on Netflix, uh, by Errol Morris, the guy who did the thin blue line. Um, the basic premise is about, it's basically the story of a guy who, jump like they they said he jumped out of a window and committed suicide in the 50s and he was working for he was working as a scientist for the um CIA and for Wayne Enterprises no he wasn't um and uh 20 years later it's uh they the government is like kind of they're revealed to have done a lot of the LSD tests that you hear about like that the government was fiddling around with but the son um in the family is still not convinced that that's the actual reason that he um, uh, would have jumped to his death or whatever. So the whole series is kind of an investigation into 
at the very least what potentially happened to his father and why he would have been even subjected to an LSD test, let alone be involved in anything that could lead to his death anyway. Um, I like Errol Morris. Um, I don't love him. Uh, if you've watched The Thin Blue Line, it's a wonderful documentary that he does dramatic recreations within his films. And sometimes I feel like my problem with Morris is that sometimes they overshadow the subjects way too much. So like, I'd rather hear from the people than just watch his very nice recreations. So it's still well made and it's Errol Morris getting to work within a like five to seven hour window. So, you know, it's pretty unhinged Morris, but um, I mean, if you're into a docu-series kind of that you wouldn't expect to really kind of get a kick out of, I think you'd enjoy it. And Tim Blake Nelson's running around in it as a character and it's an interesting situation there um and then the last thing that i watched was um i went to the theaters and saw the irishman um and it's really good it's very very good um i think it's tough to judge it immediately within that first screening like i mean i would want to call it a masterpiece but i really want to sit down and watch it again um if you don't know the story it's the story of drunk guy as an irishman no, oh, Golly. well, no, because no, because uh, Frank Sheeran, like the thing is, is that this story is not the issue that I still have with it is like, why would you tell this story when it's you can't be backed up like firmly? Because if you don't know the story, it's about Frank Sheeran, who was a hitman for uh, the uh, the mafia, the Buffalino family in particular, and his friendship with Jimmy Hoffa. Um, and there's discrepancies running around about like you know like well frank sheeran was a drunk who didn't actually kill anybody or whatever it really was about a drunk guy yeah i just making an irish joke yeah no that's why i was like did you read into the article on it but no um the bottom line is is that like the movie the movie's like factual like representation like the book was controversial to begin with the point of the movie is about following the life of a man who lives that gangster life all the way through so that three and a half hours is absolutely justified the last 30 it's three minutes. and a half hours long. Yeah, it is. So it's probably great for Netflix. If you're really like not going to, I'll tell you though, like it flies by. I mean, at least for me, like, and I like Scorsese and I like gangster movies. So that's probably why it flew by for me. Um, the last 30 minutes of this movie is some of the most somber and reflective you've ever seen out of Scorsese. Like there's, there's very, it's, you're not really like crying for the characters you're crying for the interpretation of manhood that they've lived through their entire lives um pacino is wonderful in the film he's not really out of control in the movie he's actually very well modulated and he's playing jimmy hoffa so he kind of has to be animated anyway because of who hoffa was um this is the best de niro performance i've seen in years um and Pesci is wonderful because he's not running around like a live wire. He's very quiet throughout the entire movie. It's like a very subdued performance where he's kind of just, he's a matter of fact, wizened man who's seen shit and just tells Frank what to do. He doesn't like run around and shoot people like he does as Tommy and Goodfellas. Um, and um, the, uh, I mean, the supporting cast is wonderful. Ray Romano has a great role in the movie. Um, and uh, Anna Paquin's in it, and she's very important, even though I understand that there's flack for her not having more than one line of dialogue in the movie, but it's not the point. 
Um, I would recommend it. It's funny you bring up all this stuff and I have like she's getting flack for this. I'm like, what are you? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, it's because you gotta, you know, you may not read the same like stuff that. What do you I'm read that from? I'm just curious. Hollywood Reporter, Vanity Fair, Variety. I don't like, read anything from Hollywood Reporter. I get their updates. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just curious. Oh yeah, no, no. There, I mean, there's there's stuff about it. Like there's people have problems with Anna Paquin's character because she plays the grown up version of Frank Sheeran's daughter, but she only has one line in the movie, and I don't want to spoil it, but. Her her silence in the movie is very important because it says a lot about how these these gangsters live their lives and also how, what are the consequences of it. The best way I can sell this movie to people who like have had any reservations about watching it, if you've not liked Scorsese's gangster movies in the past, this movie asks people who love those movies, why do you like these movies? Um, and ask some very hard questions about the costs of violence and the costs of toxic, toxic masculinity. This movie is the least violent gangster movie he's ever made. Anytime there's a killing in it, it's from a distance and it's very quick and it doesn't, um, delve into the gratuity of it. So it's almost kind of like an old timey gangster movie. Um, uh, and it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully directed. It it's one of the best films of the year, hands down. Um, I want to watch it again to you know see how I'm feeling with it after I've sat with it for a while. Um, I will say though, like I know I'm a proponent for watching these films on net, um, in the theaters to say fuck Netflix. I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge anybody or even care if like I I don't think it matters at this point. Just watch the movie. Like it's it's worth it. I don't care how you see it. Like. It's good in the big screen because it's an epic that spans over the course of like five decades. But if you have to, you know, have patience with it, then watch it on Netflix. Um, if you can find it in a theater and have the time <laughs> to kill for this movie, go see it. Um, and actually, Ryan, I think you might like it a lot because it, like, regardless of any accuracy issues with it, it's it's the attention to detail and just kind of the things it's playing around with in the the labor the 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 union uh the union uh issues in the 50s and 60s and specifically Hoffa's involvement in that um it reminded me a little bit of the stories i heard about disney and his experiences with the picket lines and shit like that in the 40s um not the same thing but you know yeah. you you almost understand disney's side of it in a to a certain degree i mean like i'm pro union but like you get it like there's shady shit going on you know but Anyway, and um, that's all I watched this week. Yeah, I won't say because of what Martin Scorsese says about Marvel. Well, I that's know, a right? that's a horrible reason to How discredit a film. You. Well, I mean, especially fuck him. <laughs> I mean, his. I was reading a thing. His film has more digital effects than Avengers did. Yeah, with and all the, the digital DH. Oh, that's another thing. Like it, you know, like it, I think it is because of stuff like Marvel where the technology in this did work for me. Like. There's only one shot in in all three hours of that movie where I even noticed anything like that remotely like looked like CGI. Mm. And it's just one shot, and that's no, it. I'll probably see it. I yeah. Um. Oh, and um. <laughs> fucking uh. There's a uh, uh. There's a scene in the movie that um. If you've watched like stuff like Public Enemy and all that stuff, like those older ones with Cagney and whatnot, there's a killing in that movie. That happens in a barber shop, and it's like it's just the way it's shot. It I was just like, man, like nobody is able to shoot the way they used to make a classic film like that, other than Scorsese. Like he's the only one who understands that pacing. Like it's it's beautiful. When and you then they, they tell him say, 
go see him in the barbershop and give him a little off the top. <laughs> I wish that was said. <laughs> that would have been, oh my God, I would have loved that. Um, but no, like when you see it, like I'll, sh- I, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. But anyway, that's all I watched this week. Ryan, what did you watch this week? Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, can, can I go? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, wait, this Jack Benny thing. <laughs> um, I missed last week because work. And um, uh, so I was really bummed because I get to talk about Jojo Rabbit, which is definitely one of the best movies of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, I cried three times in it, and they set you up a lot in the movie. I mean, since we're not doing sp- – this isn't a spoilers area. I won't spoil the film. Um, but there's a lot with shoes that you don't realize until you see it. And you're like, oh. Fuck this movie. Um, and then uh, what's his little friend's name? Is it Gorky? Or Yorkie? Yorkie. Yorkie, Yorkie yeah. uh, is maybe one of my most favorite characters ever. Mm. Because he, you always see him, he says, Jojo! <laughs> and he hugs him. And um, it, what, What's great about this movie is it's a movie about racism, but it's also about not being racist. Um, where Because there's a great moment... Uh, I think I'm going to have to spoil some of the movie. Um, I mean, we did last week. So, it hasn't aired yet. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, you'll still put this one out after you put the other one up. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, so in it, um, this little boy named Jojo is part of Hitler Youth, and he worships Hitler. He buys into um, Hitler. His mother, Scarlett Johansson, um, supports her son going to this camp to learn to be good little Hitler boy. And his little friend, um, you know, Yorkie, Yorkie, Yorkie. goes with him. <laughs> this cute little plump. Like, if I could pick a perfect British kid, it'd be this kid. Um, he's a he's a little Nick Frost. Yeah, he has a little Nick Frost. Um, and so they go there, and he tries really hard, you know, to be a Nazi youth. And he <laughs> grabs a grenade and throws it, and it bounces back and blows up, and it kind of gives him um, scarring. Scarring. And what what is cool, it, like Hitler is his friend in it, but the way that uh, Taka Waititi plays him is he plays it as I think a 10-year-old would see Adolf Hitler um, because Hitler's kind of funny in it, and um, but there's these moments where he's yelling at Jojo, and they're kind of heartbreaking, you know, and he's you know telling him, like, you know, are you a good Nazi or not? And so you you learn uh, about halfway through the film that Jojo's mom is kind of uh, in the resistance to Hitler. Um, And they they're keeping a young Jewish girl in their house. And what what I when I mean that it's a movie about racism that also is great is uh, there's a part where Jojo meets Yorkie again and they're preparing for the invasion of the Allied into uh, Berlin, I guess, is where they live. I don't they never said really. Um, Anyways, uh you know, Yorkie's there and he says that he has a, a Jewish girl in his, um, you know, in his house. And he says, and she's my girlfriend. And, you know, Yorkie says, oh, that's great for you, Jojo. Like, he, they don't care. And you realize that this propaganda machine, because uh, they also touch in it that, uh, you know, you hear that Hitler's being destroyed. But they said, no, don't worry. We're still going to win the war. Mm-hmm. And how it plays out is really great. You know, um, Sam Rockwell is amazing in it. Um, he plays a general that is uh, in charge of these children because he got hurt in battle. Mm-hmm. He screwed and, up some. Yes. Battle, yeah. And he blew up like part of his eye or something. And um, but you learn a lot about his character and um, that he doesn't fit into the traditional mold of being a Nazi as well. Right. Um, 
and then uh, Stephen Merchant plays part of the Gestapo. It's one scene, but it's amazing. And he's great because yeah. he's creepy and really well done. And uh, you should just really see this movie. I, I, it's one of the like when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, this looks good. And then I saw a second trailer for it. I said, this is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. And it, it, it hands down is. It's. Um, it, I, it will be in my top ten. I already know. When I asked for German Shepherds, I meant actual German Shepherds! <laughs> uh, no way, it's a stupid name for a dog anyway. <laughs> and even Rebel Wilson's pretty funny in it. She's not in it very much. Um, but when she when she says something, it's pretty Yeah, hilarious. when she says, <laughs> uh, you know, she says, I've had 16 kids myself. Because <laughs> they're talking about, you know, what the German boys are going to do. They're going to fight and do all this stuff, and then the girls are going to clean and have babies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's it's a really great film. Uh, you should definitely see it. Uh, I watched 2019's Pet Cemetery. Um, oh, you didn't watch it yet? That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty well made. Uh, it, it has the same problems I have with the original. Right. It, it's because it it's takes that story. It, it ta- yeah, it takes it more seriously. <laughs> um, it's shot more uh, edgy, where uh, Mary Lambert kind of shot it kind of campy. It feels like it's more appropriate for the story they're trying I agree. to tell. Um, John Lithgow's really good in it. And yeah. they kind of, they change it to uh, like oh, a the slasher da- film. And the daughter changed too. I yeah. bet it's ready to yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that. I mean, that's a big change in it. I don't yeah. mind the change. Um, yeah, it is more of a slashery kind but, of. But when she comes back, she kind of turns into a, it turns into a slasher film, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, the ending is, meh. Um, there's a couple big changes from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it looks, I mean, it's a beautifully shot film. Right. Um, the guys who did it did Starry Eyes, and Starry Eyes is really good. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, you know, it's funny. I liked it when I walked out of it, and then, like, my, I mean, it hasn't stuck with me. I, I, you know? Like I said, I rewatched the original Pet Cemetery because it was on your list, and I liked it more <laughs> yeah. when I watched it recently, but I think the other about the same. I, I don't think yeah. one of them stands above. Yeah. The other one, they're certainly not unwatchable. No, they're. I mean, like, they're, I mean, if you watch a horror film, they're fun. I like the original one though because Fred Gwynn's just, you know, he's. It's, oh, yeah. It is the best Fred Gwynn performance technically. So, so yeah, it's fun. Um, the the, the Blu Ray was on sale. I think I got it for like seven dollars, mm. and I'm glad I kind of waited. Um, not even four K. You just went right to the Blu Ray. Yeah, oh, I don't care on four K. I don't fucking care. Um, so there's there's some movies I care about that on four K, obviously. Um. We need to give Jason Clark better movies to do. Yeah, now he's good. Even, I think even, even Terminator. I think he's good in Terminator. Yeah, but what are we doing wrong by him, Ryan? What <laughs> What is our What have we done he's wrong fine. He's by making him? his own movies? Yeah, he's, yeah, uh, he's good. Yeah, he's directing and everything. Jason Clark's directing. Yeah, mm, nice writing. Right, writing, directing. That's Joel Edgerton. I know. I'll look but... it up. I think they're both doing it. Yeah, uh, I saw Last Christmas. Um, the My sister saw that. Amelia Clark and. Henry Golding movie mm-hmm. um, in it. Amelia Clark plays a woman who is an alcoholic, sleeps with um, random men, works at a Christmas store, um, and she doesn't appreciate a gift she was given. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set to the music of George Michael, so it's you know really the last Christmas song. Yeah. Um, but they also have Faith and um, a couple of Wham songs, and she's really it's really cute seeing her in that because she's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're used to seeing her whether it's in Game of Thrones or Terminator. Yeah. Where she's, not really cut loose, and she—I mean, she can sing and she can dance. She's pretty, a pretty good entertainer. It's a cute movie. Right on. Um, I, I won't spoil this one. I think some people have already spoiled it, but um, my sister already told me. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I kind of had a feeling he was going to be what he is um, mm-hmm. from the trailers. I thought maybe an angel, um, because it because it kind of. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, he, he he's no um, Cary Grant, but I mean, who is? Um, it's Paul Feig, so uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's and it's funnier than I thought it would be. Um, it's when I went and saw it at Alamo. I was really just looking for a movie to watch because mm-hmm. uh, Laura was studying and it was Friday, so I had to wait before I picked up Kellen. <laughs> and you saw it was last Christmas and the Irishman. You said, "Fuck Marty." <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say a three and a half hour long movie. That's true. Um, <laughs> Especially one that I wasn't sold on yet. So I went there, and I was the only one in this row. And Really? Um, about 10 minutes before the movie started, the whole row in front of me filled up, Ooh. and then the row in front of me. So I was really surprised I didn't do that well at the box office. I said, because it was like 11.30 on Friday. I said, wow, this movie's kind of packed for an 11.30 on Friday. Maybe it's like one of those like we just got from the bar. It might have like... a lot of legs, though. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this the only like actual Christmas movie being released at Christmas time this year? or? Um, like Christmas, <laughs> yeah, but like traditional yeah, yeah. Frozen, yeah. Frozen. Yeah, I guess Frozen could be a Christmas movie. Yeah, you can let that one go. So Jason Clark has no directing credits. Oh, okay. I don't know. What I was thinking. I guess it was yeah. just Joel Edgerton. Um, also, Ford v Ferrari sold out both screens I went to. Wow, that's the ultimate well, dad it, movie. <laughs> well, it did because I I heard it was projected to twenty three and ended up doing thirty two, mm. and it could even do more. So, yeah. I think the word of mouth got out that the movie was really good. Yeah. Meanwhile, our movie of the week. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I watched this week, uh, well, I watched two things. I watched Avengers Endgame with Kellen, and he loved it. I didn't know if he could sit through a three-hour-long movie, but he sat through the movie. Did he just pee in his seat? Uh, no. He's, he's a big boy. He's all right. He can hold it. And uh, um, Maybe don't say he can hold it. <laughs> um, and then I also watched Aladdin with him, not the uh, remake, but the cartoon. That movie... that cartoon is so good yeah and uh it moves so quick I 4k forget. no i haven't got the 4k i'm still on the fence about upgrading to hand-drawn animation in 4k um i should bring see. over some of my 4k hand-drawn animations for you yeah just to see I, i'm because i can't curious. test them on my tv i'm just curious yeah. um the last thing i saw this week is the favorite which is um from last year with emma Stone oh. and uh, rachel vise how'd you like it <laughs> that was actually really good yeah um uh i in it's a really fascinating movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're talking about historical taking taking a lot of liberties. This movie definitely does. It's kind of fun seeing them talk modern, mm-hmm. in but the setting is still um, where it's at. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's great. I mean, I was shocked that Emma Stone's naked in it. Like it's one of those things. Because like, she's one of those actresses I would never think of being. I mean, it's like Katie Holmes when I saw her in The Gift. I go, oh. Hmm. Yeah, but but the movie, I mean, it's about Queen Anne and uh, she's kind of nuts, but she's also sleeping with um, Lady Marlborough, um, played by Rachel Weisz. Mm-hmm. And um, she's really great in the movie because um, yeah. she plays like the duality of the role where she's really tender with the queen for a little bit. But then when she wants to get stuff her way, she's kind of mean yeah like um, a, like an overbearing like yeah. quote unquote wife or like and, and it, she takes advantage of uh queen anne being a lesbian mm-hmm. and um deteriorating health deteriorating health and then yep. it's interesting too because emma stone comes in as this oh look at me i'm a poor um servant now and i've lost everything but then she's really conniving yeah and her, her character is really great um yeah i yeah i thought the movie was really good um, i i that final shot with the uh, uh, the bunnies? No, it, well, it's not. It's not so much that. It's just the implication of like Queen Anne. At the end, you kind of realize like she's in much much more control than yeah. You're you've been led to believe the entire film. Well, I, like, I think you get that too, where she realized she didn't want to tell 
the dudes that they're going to, uh, the House of Commons that she's going to raise the taxes or Parliament. Yeah. And so she faked being sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, she's definitely way more in control. And and um, who's the actress who plays her? Uh, Olivia Coleman. She's from a, she's amazing. Who? Movie. I mean, talk about a, a a journey from Hot Fuzz to that. Oh, I she's. Mean, yeah, I mean, and Nicholas Holt is fucking great in it too. Oh my the, god, when he pushes Emma Stone into the <laughs> ditch, it's really like it's one of those like oh my god, and then you just start laughing your ass it, off. It, like. It's an interesting because I read that he just does all natural lighting in the film, and you can tell, and it's shot really well. Yeah, um, I, I know someone mentioned to me that you might get annoyed with that fisheye stuff. Yeah, yeah. fisheye was my only like but, meh. But, it's like that's whatever he's making a point and he's shooting it the way he wants to shoot it. That doesn't bother me as much as um, Tom Hooper's like Dutch angles yeah, the, no. and extreme close-ups. No, Lanthimos with this film did he pretty much his version of a Barry Lind- like Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, yeah. where it's just yeah. you know it's very well. It's one of those movies too. It was I think it's two hours long, but it moved quickly. Oh yeah, because the acting is so tight and mm-hmm. it, the pace is so well. Yeah, um, that was a really good Alamo experience. Was watching that at the Alamo. So yeah, uh, Sloan's last I was surprised. Year. It was good. It was another one that I didn't get right away. I waited and I waited and I waited, and then eventually it was nine dollars. And did you watch the Lobster? No. Okay, it's I've this... never seen any of his other movies. Yeah, it's from the same guy. Yeah, you might like it. Um, but yeah, it was fun. You won't like Dogtooth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll probably watch it again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's what I watched this week. Sweet. Uh, this week on Real Nerds, we saw Charlie's Angels. Brad, did you see Charlie's Angels? Nope. I watched Ford v Ferrari twice. Good choice. Uh, Zach, did you see Charlie's Angels? I did. And should people go see Charlie's Angels? So I don't. I it, you. <laughs> oh fuck! Yes or no? <laughs> Yes, but I have y- yes, but I have issues with the movie. Um, it's I had fun with what they were doing, but there's problems, and I there's a reason why the film's not doing well. So, um, Ryan, should people go see? Charlie's I think you Angels? can rent it. I don't think there's anything that forces you to go out to see it. It seems really unnecessary. Yeah. Um, it's cool. I I love Elizabeth Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool that she's directing a movie like this. Yeah. I I think it's well directed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's fun seeing Kristen Stewart smile and actually have fun in a movie, not some dour, petulant fucking teenager who's crying over a shiny fucking vampire. <laughs> I love your review of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't understand why it was made. Mm, we'll talk about because that. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a horrible movie. But no, I, no. I'm, I'm watching and I go, and, oh, and what made me really mad about this movie is it wasn't showing at the fucking Alamo, so I had to pay $5 to go see it. Mm. <laughs> Here's a trailer for Charlie's Angels. Hello? You're in great danger. Get out of there now! Open Safe House 6. Welcome to the Towns and Agency. I run a covert group of exceptional women. So you guys are like lady spies. We work outside the rules. I don't like that, boy. In secret. Together. You may not know we exist, but we are always watching. Who steals humanitarian aid money? You are in the presence of angels. You want to train to be an angel? Hell yeah. Give me my wings. Let's go! Where do you think you're going? You need to land this bird, Hoffman. What? Later. Here we go. 
down, keep your hands where I can see them. Really not supposed to be touching things in here unless you're supposed to be touching things in here. You're adorable. Jane, is that you flirting with a handsome nerd? Bad girl, you said, girl, you're such a dirty bad girl. The best part is in taking down international criminals. It's you guys. And the day drinking. That's what I like the most. Take her to the closet. So I can just take whatever I want? Borrow. Is that an actual rule? Time to go to work. Uh, this version of Charlie's Angels is more of, I guess, Townsend is has more than three Charlie's Angels. Um, they they recruit a bunch of females, and it takes place in the same universe because they do show the original Charlie's Angels, and then they show the Drew Barrymore version of Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just a continuation of those Charlie's Angels. So it's not really even a reboot; it's actually a sequel. Yeah. Um, and it's the mysterious case of the mini Bosleys yeah, and in this whole they affair. superimpose Patrick Stewart's Bosley into Bill Murray's Bosley. Yeah. Um, so Bill Murray isn't shown in the film. It's Patrick Stewart is shown with Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore. Yeah. So did they change the con? I mean, does or they it- couldn't get a release from? Here, here's a question: Does the continuity matter? And my answer no, is no. no. no, no. Um, but. You know, like, I mean, and I like watching Patrick Stewart be a, like, I mean, spoil, we're in spoiler territory. He's a villain. Um, or he, he portrays the agency. Well, the one thing I thought was interesting about the film is they play their hand really quick of um, Elizabeth Banks being the villain. Yeah. I think, oh, she's the villain. Yeah. And then that twist is kind of clumsily. Yeah. Like, when when they get back to the Istanbul um, uh, uh, hideout and then... Uh, Patrick Stewart makes the call, and then the explosion happens. Yeah. The the twist that it's Stewart. The twist of the twist. The reveal is off. It's not. I it's, think it's. I think it's a writing issue there because. So in the film, um, Kristen Stewart and um, Bella, the other lady, um, she's good in it. Um, Jane. Yeah, something like that. They're like the elite Charlie's Angels, and then there's a female played by Naomi Scott who is in Aladdin. I think she's beautiful. Yeah. But, um, Power Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers. She is in Power Rangers. Um, anyway, so she's in this dead-end job and they create a device that can power um, buildings without using technology into the electrical grid. A MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin. A fusion <laughs> reactor? Holy shit. Yeah, so ba- basically it's just a MacGuffin to weaponize things. You can also turn it into a weapon. Yeah. Like the Wayne Tech bomb in Dark Knight Rises. It is like the Wayne Tech bomb. <laughs> or like the government secrets in North by Northwest. Yep. See, we all talked about things we loved. <laughs> um, so in it, they recruit Naomi Scott's character, who I don't remember her name, um, into Charlie's Elena, Angels. Elena, yeah. Elena, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, Elizabeth Banks is Bosley, and there's actually a group of Bosleys. It's like a lieutenant, they said. Mm-hmm. So they all have their own angels. And... Um, it turns out that Elizabeth Banks is a bad person, bad guy, trying to get this. But then you find out that it's actually Patrick Stewart who retired. And the only reason he's doing it is because they forced him to retire. And so now he's going to sell. So the Mission Impossible plot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they basically tried to do De Palma's Mission Impossible into yeah. this movie. And, and the I, movie's fun. It and, is. And there's some moments that are pretty 
I mean, lots. I mean, I thought the horse track part was pretty fun. Yeah, and, um, and Kristen Stewart's really fun in this movie. Yeah, she is. Um, um, but the whole thing is just—it seems unnecessary. Because it, it, when I watch it, like I, I gave it three stars, and I'm watching, I say, "No, this isn't a bad movie." But why does it exist? Hmm. Give me it just, a reason. It just—it's confusing because it seems like the appeal of the original Charlie's Angels was like it's a network TV show that had like three pre- pretty women on it, yeah. and that was it. And now it's. And then, like the movies were just like capitalizing on that novelty, yeah. And now it's like it, like I appreciate that they're going like, oh, well, let's legitimize this and make it like for women, right? And like empowering, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just well, sounds like, uh, you know, it, it was just kind of like lame. <laughs> yeah, and it's again, there's nothing execution. really bad, and so you still think that Elizabeth Banks is bad. So they go to this uh, like quarry or something, and they fight the bad guys, and she just takes off. Why can't you just tell them, saying, hey? The other Bosley is still alive. I it's I I mean I don't know to like like keep her cover or whatever. I mean like I'll tell you right now from the 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 moment like I was having fun with the film. I was like oh I'm getting into this whatever. And then that twist happens with the building blowing up, and from there all the way to the end it fell apart for me. Yeah. The third act of the film I, I it's there are good moments in it, but the editing's off. It seems like plot points or like interconnecting tissue is missing within the last literally five minutes of the movie. Um, There's story decisions with the characters that are strange. I mean, I I think that ultimately like the the issue with the film is that you have a really good buildup where I mean, like outside of the outstanding references to previous Charlie's Angels, it's kind of setting itself with its own tone. Like yeah. it feels like an international spy movie. Like Banks can direct stuff pretty yeah. interestingly. Uh, I actually think that the the opening five minutes of the movie is my favorite part because it's a great setup yeah. that's be- beautifully executed with its cinematography. Yeah, because that part with uh, Australian John. Yeah, and just and, and just starting on that one image of Stewart. Um, listening to what his mansplaining is or whatever the heck, and uh, Stuart responding like, "Oh, that's, that's cute, you freaking misogynist." But yeah. like, you know, like after that point, though, I am kind of like, "Okay, well, now this is just an, a spy movie." Once you get to the third act, I'm like, "Okay, now this is just it's yeah. it's going all over the place." I like the idea that all the other angels were in that room. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is fun. <laughs> But, you know, like, I don't, I, I don't know, like, I, for some reason it it threw me off, but, like, at the end of the day, like, if you were to go see this at a matinee with a bunch of friends and just to have fun with it, like, you could do worse, like. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessary to see. If you're interested, I say rent it. That's, that's um, fair, too. And it's, you know, it is interesting seeing Kristen Stewart play, like, a bombshell where she's in sexy clothes and she's flirting with men. And what's cool is, I mean, she sets it up at the beginning where she says that uh, men don't perceive women as a threat mm-hmm. until seven seconds later. Right. And so it's a kind of a cool, like, take on that. Right. Um, and like I said, it's fun to see her smile because her, it, she seems like she takes roles so seriously. Her comic timing is impeccable. Like, she, and her, like, she's got the one-liners in this movie yeah. and it shows and yeah, she's got, right. she's got some fun, like, she's got the fun moments in the movie. Um I mean, Jimon Hunts, who was in the movie for like a hot yeah, minute, he's and he's fun. Um, I mean, the dude like, who played uh, the saint is that was his name? Yeah, um, he's or the guru. I forget. He was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, ev- everybody's doing a fine job. Like, I mean, Stuart Stewart's interesting in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, don't know really. I why. mean, he did have that great line where um, 
he pulled out and the scientist guy fell out. He's like, he was in there the whole time. <laughs> that was funny. That was my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, it, it, um, it's, but it, it's yeah. I mean, like I, I applaud Banks making the movie though, because like it shows that she can direct action. Oh, yeah. Like, and she's already proven she can direct a hit film with Pitch Perfect well, too. So. She, I wasn't surprised because when you do a musical, you have to have good timing and pacing. Yeah. So I was not that surprised that she pulled it off. Yeah. And she's super talented and super awesome. And her, I really like her. And her fight sequences are very well executed. I think ultimately... The a little sloppy, though. Uh, yeah, I think ultimately... You know what I would love to see Banks do is something a little bit... She's do Mission Impossible movie. She could do that. I mean, also, I'd like to see her do... Um, like, if if she's going to do an action film, I'd like her to be set up with a better property. Yeah. I don't think it's anybody else's fault other than the fact that, as Brad said, you've got this property that ultimately was, like, made for kitsch factor to begin with in the 70s. Like, it can be used for the good they were trying for in this movie, but I don't know if it works at this time. So, mm-hmm. um, but I had fun with it. And, it exists. And that theme song's catchy with Miley Cyrus, so why not, mm-hmm. you know? It exists. Yeah. Uh, next week, are we seeing uh, Frozen 2 or A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, right? Cool. Mm-hmm. Hello, neighbor. That's what we're seeing. It's Tom Hanks. We've got to go see it. Yep. I'm yeah. down. Uh, thanks for listening. Oh, sorry. We're seeing the Playmobil movie early, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.